You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Chobi. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk. The Seahawks beat the Cardinals 19-9 in a weird game at Lumen Field over the weekend, but it's a victory Monday. It's a good feeling. The Seahawks take down a division rival in the Arizona Cardinals. Great Sunday, but you know how we do every week after a Seahawks win. We talk to Big Ray. Let's get in the trenches. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Ray, man, huge win for the Seahawks at home, like I mentioned, against the Cardinals, but definitely not the way you expected. The Seahawks team 100% relied and were led by their defense. What stood out the most to you in their uh, defensive performance? Well, you know, I just like the aggression that they play with. Uh, and you can tell at the at the defensive front, they were being a little bit more aggressive. I actually listened to um, Pete Carroll this morning was saying they made some little adjustments to the defensive line uh, so they could be more aggressive. And I'll, I'll be honest, I think what they did was, I know last week against the Saints, I was saying, man, like they're like a yard off the ball and they're kind of reading and reacting. And it seems like they closed that gap in that neutral zone. They kind of took up more of that neutral zone and then they were uh, attacking gaps versus reading and reacting. And I think that allowed a guy like Tuna Ford to have his most productive game in a long time. He had five uh, tackles. I think he had a sack. He had a pass defense. So, he was doing some really good work. Quentin Jefferson came through with a sack. Daryl Taylor came through with a sack. Nuoso came through with a sack. I think uh, Adams had a sack. So uh, that defensive line was getting super aggressive. And then, of course, you have the, the young dudes in the back, the young bucks with um, uh, uh, T. Wu, uh, Terry Woolen coming up with an interception and a fumble re- recovery and, and Kobe Bryant um, forcing that fumble. So I just like the aggressiveness that the defense played with. I love it, Ray. You love to see it. You felt like this team needed a performance like that. What does it mean for this defense when they can walk off the field and say, like, we held it down for our offense. It was about time. Yeah, I think it builds that type of confidence because, you know, you want to play, like, complimentary football. And some people go, like, well, what does that mean? Well, you want to, you know, be able to play with short, you know, create short fields for your for your offense, get the ball back to them with turnovers and such like that, keep them off the scoreboard. Uh, they had, you know, the, the Cardinals had 11 drives and didn't score one single touchdown. So, like, that kind of stuff builds confidence just in the whole concept of team chemistry. But then it was also important for this defense to be able to look at tape and go, this is what it, this is how it works. This is what it looks like when it works. So, you could say, like, well, they had injuries on the offensive line. Their running back was out and all this other kind of stuff. Well, that's cool. Everyone has injuries. But it's a good film for this defense to go, okay, this is what it looks like when, when you're doing it right. So then you have a you can internalize it differently. So I think it was a win for the defense in so many other ways than just the scoreboard. Now, Ray, you mentioned T. Wu, Tariq Woolen, who's been balling, Kobe Bryant, who's been balling. These rookies have played some of the best football that anyone could have imagined right now. And Tariq is probably at the point of looking at rookie of the year type stuff. That's how well he's playing. Now, it's early in his career. So I'm going to put you on the spot, but is Tariq already the best corner since uh, Richard Sherman played in Seattle? 
Well, I will say at, at least in the last few years, because we just haven't seen – we've seen some good corners here, and they've you know, made some good plays, but they haven't been so impactful and dynamic the way he has made them. And then, uh, you know, obviously he's a little more quiet than Richard, you know, so it's uh, – but, uh, but, yeah, I would have to say I can't just put my finger on another cornerback where I would go like, well, I don't know, this guy might have been. But this dude has been – has shown up, uh, you know, like uh, like I said in the, in the pre- and post-game show, he doesn't know any better. You know what I'm saying? He's just – he's learning. You know, like Quandre Diggs said, he's learning from the head up. I mean, from the shoulder up. And then he's applying that to this talent and this length and this ability that he has. And it's just been a beautiful thing to watch. Let's stick with the uh, the rookie theme. We had another rookie have his – breaking out party and, and Ken Walker, man, he had 21 carries for 97 yards. I love the way they used him. There was a direct snap to him. Uh, he had a 34 yard run, 11 yard touchdown. What did you see out of this rookie? And what did you think of his performance? Well, it was interesting. You know, Bob, you and I uh, spoke to him on Thursday and he was, I asked him what was the difference between what he brings to the table versus what Penny brought to the table. And he was like, you know, no disrespect to Penny. You know, he's a bigger dude. He runs more downhill. I'm a shiftier dude. And so that's what it looked like on the field. Like even like it reminded me of just a tiny bit of like Barry Sanders where some of his best runs were like two yard gains because he broke about 15 ankles on his way to those two yards. And, uh, and uh, Kenneth Walker, the third is that type of, is that type of runner. You know, I think I saw today where I think he leads the league and the most uh, missed tackles, I think with 22 and he only has 40 carries. So this dude has like some the lateral movement and then his ability to kind of put his foot in the ground and gain some yards is a beautiful thing. And so I was just happy for a guy like him uh, to, to be able to come in and kind of fill the void. And it came, I think he came up three yards short from a hundred yards, but uh, I think the guy's going to be really special and something good to have in the backfield here. Now staying on offense, Ray, Gina was sacked a season high five times on Sunday. What do you see from the offensive line overall? We know Charles Cross and Abe Lucas have looked really good this season. We know they've got good play from Phil Haynes, Damian Lewis, uh, Gabe Jackson, Austin Blythe. But what do you see overall on Sunday, and what led to more sacks? Well, I think what uh, really led to the sacks were the com- maybe some protection confusion because the the uh, Cardinals started crowding the line of scrimmage. They'd have every dude covered in the double A gap blitz with the two inside linebackers. At least that's where they started out. And so then they were running some games off that. I think it was a, either the free, the strong safety or one of their linebackers, number 25, I can't remember his name. But he came up with a couple of those sacks because uh, everyone's like they're running pick and roll. So they're picking the offensive lineman, and he was rolling around the, the, uh, the opposite way and getting a sack. As it relates to the rookies, um, I think, you know, a lot of times people don't understand. So it's really hard to compare rookie offensive linemen to like veteran offensive linemen. So when you see the PFF stuff and they're like have the whole list of dudes and most of those dudes are better dudes, there's so many little nuances to learn uh, in this game as an offensive lineman. And some of that stuff got them uh, this, this, this week. So there were guys that were getting into their chest a little faster with more power and speed than they had expected. There were times where they were um, they were getting right to the same depth of the quarterback, but they were giving the the, the the defender a two-way go. Usually, when you get to the depth of the quarterback, you want to be inside out on the on the on the pass rusher so you can run him around the corner. Where well, they were kind of head up to him like they're trying to take a charge, where well, that allows them to slide off back to the inside when Geno steps up to get a sack. So that happened a, a couple times with the tackle. So those are things you just learn from getting the reps and the reps and the reps. So you don't want to. 
you know, put up five sacks to get your quarterback hurt or any of those kinds of things. But that's just a learning process. And the thing I will also say is that if you watch these guys play, they are not getting help. <laughs> they're, they're going to get some, some of the best pass rushers in the league all by themselves. That's, that's a, that, even when I was a rookie, playing against Derek Thomas, I had like running back help from time to time. I would get a chip from the running back. Uh, but these dudes are taking on these pass rushers for the first time, learning how to study film, learning how to study players, and they're doing it all by themselves. And I think that uh, that has to be commended. Yeah, it's been impressive watching these rookies go to work, Ray. It was uh, nice to see this defense put a game together, six sacks from six different players. You got some turnovers. So now I'm looking at the Los Angeles Chargers. We know they got Justin Herbert. They got Mike Williams. Keaton Allen might be healthy. You got Eckler. They brought over um, a couple of guys on defense to help out. Is this the week that the Seahawks put two wins together? Uh, I certainly hope so. I think this is going to be the biggest challenge to me uh, for this defense so far. So even though, you know, the Taysom Hill experience was something different, I think it kind of caught them off guard. But the amount that they used him. I don't think they were surprised that they actually used him. I just think they were surprised at the amount that they used him. But with this offense, with Justin Herbert and Williams and Eckler, uh, they can do a lot of things. And Eckler is like a Swiss Swiss Army knife kind of a dude. He can run the football. He's great at catching screens and getting behind that big offensive line and, and creating yardage that way. Herbert is one of the up-and-coming young you know, quarterbacks. You can Most people have him in the top five behind Mahomes and Allen and probably Lamar Smith somewhere in there. So, I mean, Lamar Jackson. So, uh, it's going to be a challenge, I think, for for this defense to duplicate what they did last week. And so hopefully a lot of that stuff has been internalized. They kind of get the idea of what it looks like. Tuna Ford is going to be more aggressive. You know, Brian Monet played an excellent football game. Like, he, he did his best uh, impersonation of Al Woods as he possibly could. There was one time he drove the center all the way back to the lap of the quarterback and, and actually tackled the, the runner with the ball. So I think there's some, a lot of positives that came out of this game. It's going to have to carry over. That's imperative that it carries over to this to this game. And then I would say, like, from an offensive perspective, those tackles are going to be challenged with uh, Khalil Mack and, and one of the Bosa brothers. They're very, you know, skilled pass rushers to the top in the league. So it's going to be a challenge for them to, uh, to, to make sure they keep them off Geno and give them time to throw the ball. I hope you're right, Ray. I think this is the week the Seahawks can get a couple wins together. They played really well on Sunday. Ray, we appreciate you taking time, as you do every single week, to hop on with us. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon, Ray. Yes, sir. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, brother. All right, it's time to figure out what had happened. See, what had happened at first was... What happened was... What had happened was... On Hawk Talk. Bump, I love the show with this, man. It was a weird game. Yeah. It was a weird game. It was... It was one that we haven't seen from the Seahawks so far this season in general, but it was a game where the Seahawks were never, you never felt like you were in doubt. They were always kind of in control of the game, but at the same time, it wasn't what you're used to seeing. The offense didn't go crazy. The defense showed up. It was one of the, I don't know, it was just hard to put my finger on. It just didn't feel, it felt different. Good, but different. Yeah, yeah, it was different. There, there were no, um, were not a lot of really explosive plays for this offense, and um, you held the Cardinals to nine points. And I read an article from uh, Cliff Kingsbury. He goes, look, offensive production or not having offensive production is something new to him, right? There's something that they were able to do is always put up points. Can they sustain leads? That's a different story. But uh, yeah, it's been different. So um, the Seahawks played a gritty game. 
a game that I think this defense needed, like we mentioned with, with Big Ray there. And uh, it started off rough, man. Kyler Murray breaks open for a 42-yard run. These guys haven't put together one play over 30 yards all season. <laughs> and then the first drive, they break one off against the Seahawks. We're like, okay, here we go. You know what I'm saying? And then two plays later, you get another explosive play for Rondell Moore for 26 yards. But the defense did their thing. They got it together, and they held up in the red zone and say, okay, put it up, put it on the foot. We'll give you three. Yeah, you're right. When when you saw Kyle Murray go outside, you go, oh, no. We spent all yeah. that time talking about explosive plays in the pregame, and I'm like, here we go again. But thank God the Seahawks defense was up for the challenge. On the Seahawks ensuing drive, the Cardinals marched 55, or excuse me, the Seahawks marched nine plays, 54 yards to settle for a field goal, tied the game up at three. Boom, Cardinals come right back, 55 yards on 14 plays. But they turned the ball over and downs. Kyler Murray wasn't as accurate as, you know, he probably would have hoped on that throw and a lot of throws throughout the ball game. The Cardinals turned the ball over on downs. And that was kind of a theme for the game bump. Cliff Kingsbury was very, uh, arrogant's not the right word, but confident in his offense. And they went for it on fourth down a lot and were not successful. Yeah, they were one for five on fourth downs. I don't. I can't remember a game that I watched where that many uh, attempts were uh, were tried on fourth down. And we saw Ken Walker get going, man. Uh, we mentioned he had a 17-yard direct snap, boom. Then he breaks off a big run uh, that set up a field goal and made the score 12 to three. And um, things got a little interesting, but now to go away, right? Kobe Bryant, he forces a fumbles recovered by who else? Tariq Willen. He's always around the football. And then the Seahawks will go three and out, uh, but have a major miscue for the second week in a row on this punt team. Mike Diskin is in the, is in the, in the red zone, excuse me, in the end zone, a nice little stunt. I think they sent like a back on that second level late, right up yeah. the air, the B gap man blocked the kick. Arizona falls on the ball in the end zone, made the score 12 to nine. Yeah, that was that was tough because you felt like from a the Seahawks perspective, you had stopped them on everything. You, your defense yeah. and from a confident perspective, you're like, we have stopped them on everything. We've gave them nothing, and to just give them something like that, you know, I believe that John Boyle had the story post game. I believe Nick Ballore said, you know, he was the one who made the mistake on the call there to get that punt block, and it's 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 a weird thing because that's such a strong unit. Um, Nick Ballore is one of the best special teams guys in the National Football League. He's a Pro Bowler. He's he, all things. So Nick's a great player. They're going to get this things figured out. But it was a really tough play because you make the score 12-9, and now you're thinking, oh, you know, pressure's on. Offense has got to do something, right? Yeah. And that's the most impressive thing that I saw on Sunday was when their back was against the wall, say, okay, hey, we've not been able to push the ball down the field or get it in the end zone. They respond in the biggest moment in the game, going seven plays, 75 yards, ending an 11-yard run by Ken Walker, making the score 19-9, only offensive touchdown of the game. We will get into that touchdown a little bit later Bump's going to break it down because Ken Walker got got <laughs> he got busy. So, But it was just really cool to see <laughs> from an offensive standpoint that when when it mattered the most that they came back and answered right away. Yeah, they came back and answered. And then Tariq Woolen, man, fourth game in a row, this guy has an interception, sealed the deal. And it was beautiful, man. It was a go route. I forget who the receiver was, but he's right on the hip. He phases him out. He locates the football. He high points it. He comes down with it. It looks like this man's been playing corner his whole life, but – that has not been the case. And defensively, uh, the Seahawks held the Cardinals to four of 16 on third downs, which is great. I mentioned they were one for five on fourth down. Now, Colin Murray did rush for 100 yards, but most of that was on that first run, 42-yard run on that very first drive. But after that, he had some um, he had some some scrambles. But what I liked about it is that they kept him up the gut, right? You keep him in the middle of the field, there's going to be more guys to corral him and tackle him. Yeah, and the Seahawks defense, they held the Cardinals to 315 yards, which is the lowest output of the season in terms of the Seahawks holding opponents to. 
always great also on the other side when you can win a game where DK and Tyler only have four receptions. Yeah, wild. Those are two of your biggest playmakers of the game, so that means things are going well defensively. You know, offensively, the Seahawks still kind of struggled on third down for the second consecutive week, which is a little weird. I believe they dropped from first in the NFL to about eight or nine on third down percentage. But it's all good because the Seahawks came out with the victory. Let's see who made plays. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. All right, playmakers, every week he has to perform for this offense to have a chance. Geno Smith was 20 of 31 for 197. He had six carries for 48 yards, a big carry on one of those drives, a 24-yard scamper. Um, if there was a negative, he was sacked five times, but he did a good job making some big throws. Only one throw that was real suspect. I want to say it was their first drive where DJ, uh, DK ran a hitch. It was a corner right there. He kind of just, it was like a trust throw. He just threw it up there and said, let me see if DK come down with it. Uh, but, but once again, he didn't throw for 78 completion, uh, completion percentage, but he showed control. He tucked the football and he didn't make too many risky throws. Like every throw is calculated. He's still going through his reach. He, he still looks sharp. At no point did I think, all right, Gino, you're doing too much. Calm down. I always feel like he's in control and this offense is moving. Yeah, there's two throws in particular that I really liked. I believe the Seahawks were going towards the south end zone. And Gino stood in there. They're bringing pressure. He got the ball off to, I believe it was D. Eskridge, who we'll talk about a little bit later. But yep. just to stand in the pocket and know you're going to get hit and not flinch at all. And I, that's what I love about Gino is just his, his, um, his poise over this offense and when things aren't going well and just kind of keeping everyone on the same page. So love to see that. And in the backfield, we've been calling him K-9 on the post game. Ken Walker, nice first NFL start. 21 carries, 97 yards, a touchdown. Definitely really probably should have been over 100 yards. There's about four or five negative plays in there. But he just had some nice runs, and Ray mentioned it, where that two that one-yard gain he had where he broke like seven tackles was nuts. And yeah. then he had another one going up the right Seahawks sideline where he you thought he was for sure down maybe for one-yard gain, breaks about four or five tackles, and then barely does gets tripped up on a shoe toss, but he was about to go in the end zone there. So Ken Walker is a shifty dude, man. You see the um, – I know – Big Ray just compared him to Barry Sanders, but I want to say John Schneider might have done the same thing earlier in the season or during training camp. Someone else had compared him to Barry Sanders, and I'm like, hold on now. Barry's yeah. Barry. I get it. But some of those runs, I'm like, all right, I don't see too many people who can do that, and Barry was one of those dudes. So nice to see Ken Walker kind of taking all this thing and say, look, man, Rashad's down. Don't worry. I got you. He performed well. Next is Tariq Woolen. Every week we're talking about this guy. Five tackles, one pass defended, one reception, and one fumble recovery. Tariq became the seventh player in franchise history and just a third rookie since the year 2000 to record an interception in four consecutive games. He is also the first rookie since 1970 to record both an interception and opponent fumble recovery in consecutive games. This guy leads the NFL with four receptions. He's been a corner for 20 games in his life. He's doing it at the highest level against some of the best athletes in the world. It's fun to watch him perform, and it's also cool to see his maturation in the postgame. I remember his first interview, he's kind of like in awe. Like, I can't believe I'm here, you know what I'm saying? And then now to week six, he's like, yeah, I don't care. And I'm trying to make a name for myself and do what I can to help this team win. It's been fun. Shoo, man. <laughs> Tariq, my guy, man. Seriously, four interceptions. You're leading the league in interceptions. Here's the deal, man. This Crazy. man had two interceptions in college. And now he's doing it. I heard Pete talking today 
And, you know, everyone's like, how could you guys, how did everyone miss on this guy? How do you wait to the fifth round? He runs a 4 2 six, this and that. And then Pete was even like, well, we looked at the film, and he what he's doing now, he was not doing in college. He had shown yeah. bits and pieces. He'd shown plays, but he didn't put it all together. And whatever happened once he got here, I, I, I got no words for this, man, because at this point, at the pace he's on, obviously, he's not going to get interception every game for his career. Obviously, I know that. But the <laughs> pace he's on, he's going to move out of rookie of the year conversation. You're you're moving into defensive player of the year conversation. Just right. It's only a small sample size, but I'm saying the pace he's playing at, that just shows you how good he's playing right now. Pro Bowl pace, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then his boy on the other side, inside, really, Kobe Bryant playing really good at nickel. This man had eight tackles, one pass defense, one forced fumble. Kobe Bryant has a forced fumble in three straight games, and now he has four in the season, which also leads the NFL. These dudes are balling out, man. And here's the thing, like, when you think of punching out the football, you think of Peanut Tillman, right? Those are yep. the type of dudes you think of. Byron Maxwell was a guy within Seahawks who was really good at getting the ball out and that specific punch. But Kobe, man, I didn't know that about his game. We know he was a Jim Thorpe Award winner at Cincinnati. We know he had good coverage skills, lots of interceptions. But I didn't know he had this extra in his game, and he, he's coming with it in the Seahawks. I don't know where they'd be without these rookies. Man, Kobe Bryant had four forced fumbles in his whole college career. He's got four in six weeks in the NFL. They're doing some crazy things. I don't even think they realize what they're doing right now and if they don't just keep it up and, and be oblivious and just keep keep going out every week and do your thing next up is ryan neal all he does is make plays man seven tackles one sack one tackle for loss one pass defense one qb hit and for the second week we see and we feel ryan neal last year he comes off the bench he's making plays this year he played behind josh jones for a bit they make the switch they bring him in he's playing well not only is he playing well but He's sending the right message to the defense in his post-game interviews. Always um, am interested to see what these guys, what their mental is through their post-games. And a couple of weeks ago, he was calling dudes out. He was like, look, man, you can't, you can't do your job. They're going to come in here and find somebody else to do it. And he, he put himself in that conversation, too. So to see him step up again this week is good to see. Ryan Neal, man. Probably one of the best interviewers on the team also. I love hearing that dude speak because he just got a lot going on in his mind. So, Ryan, love to see you out there making plays. And shout out to this D-line group. This, this unit, this front seven, I'll group everyone together, has been taking some heat. They've been taking yeah. some heat because mm -hmm. things haven't gone well defensively, and especially specifically in the run game. There hasn't been a lot of pressure. So they've been, they've been hearing about it for a couple of weeks, and they, they stood up to the challenge. I mean, huge group effort by the defensive line. Coming into the game, they only had eight sacks in five games. On Sunday, they got to Kyler Murray six times, one of the shiftiest quarterbacks in the National Football League. They also held Arizona running backs to 44 yards on 18 carries. We mentioned Murray did rush for 100 yards. He had a bulk of it on one carry, but just love to the defensive line. They've been hearing it, and they rose to the challenge on Sunday and were a big part of the victory. Yes, sir. Big ups to that defensive line. And Puna 4, one of my favorites. You know what I'm saying? I love when, when Puna's making some plays, baby. Free agent out of the University of Texas. Get him, Pona. All right, let's talk about the, this wide receivers or the wide receiver roundup. Not just receivers, man. Guys, for catching the rock. Noah Fan had the most targets he's had all season, which is good to see. He had seven targets for six. D. Eskridge, let's go, D. I've been in your corner all year, baby. They trying to hold you down. <laughs> D. Eskridge getting his three targets, three receptions, 39 yards. You mentioned DK and Lockett had two catches apiece. Still got the win. That's interesting. And then Marquise Goodwin, he had a big play, a big 22-yard gain. I believe it was on a third down when they were driving a score. 
Ken Walker had two receptions. Uncle Will had one, and then Colby had a catch as well. That's eight different passes. When you're spreading the ball around, you're keeping the defense on their heels. I love it. Yep. Gino's done nothing but spread the love this season, and I, I love, like you mentioned, I love to see that. And, you know, I think next week, it's one of those things where it's, a, it's almost like a precursor. It's like a clue, right? If DK and Tyler have a game where they got four receptions, you can – that's the safest bet in the world that they're going to go off next week. So yep. Chargers secondary, I would be aware because these dudes are coming. They're going to be hungry. So love to see that. But let's get back over to Ken Walker. I alluded to it earlier in the game. He had an 11-yard touchdown run that we're going to break down in the coach's corner. Underneath handoff to Walker. Cuts back outside to the 10. Stiff arms a man to the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Ken Walker, the third, from 11 yards out. Carries it into the end zone on the left side. Nice job by his offensive front. Great job by Geno getting him down there. His second career touchdown. He is one happy man. And the Seahawks now double up on Arizona, 18-9. What did you see, Bump? It's a beautiful old person 10 play. They're in 11 personnel. That means one running back, one tight end. You got Kobe Parkinson, who was on the right side of the line of scrimmage right next to Abe Lucas. And this is really like a delayed counter look. Typically on your counter, you're going to block everyone on the left side to the right, and you're going to pull your left guard, um, excuse me, your right guard and your right tackle right here. They say, okay, Kobe, you're going to pretty much take the, the position of that right tackle, and you're going to pull. So they pull the right guard and Kobe Parkinson, and everyone else blocks down to the right. And another thing that you typically do is a misdirection, right? You You line up. Ken Walker on the right side of Geno and make it seem like you're going to the right. These slip left. This is kind of like a delayed counter, right? Ken Walker takes his time. He lets the pullers get in front of him and uh, finds space pretty much. I want to point out, is that a, is that gay? Who's 60? That's Damian Lewis. Damian Lewis getting just enough of that in when he's pulling to the left to kind of spring Ken Walker. And then Kobe Parkinson leads the way, gets up the gut, gets a body on the safety. And once you get by that first wave, that first wave is that that D line if they've sent a blitzer. Once you get by that first wave, you got to look for space outside. It's exactly what he does. Passes the first wave, he gets outside. Now he's one on one with the safety. He does hop, skip, stiff arm at the same time, froze him and got into that end zone. I've never really seen a move like that, Ness. Never really seen it, but it worked for him. Then he gets in the end zone and does a dance that I see TikTok or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know exactly what the dance was because we're getting older and apparently we're out of touch. We'll ask the young people about that. But anyway, before we get into his dancing skills, you mentioned on that delayed counter look. What I like about, to start off, so Kobe Parkinson, he's the one who's pulling from the right side of the formation. He doesn't flatline the guy, but he gets just enough. And that's all you ask for. He gets just enough for Walker to get that second level. DK, another nice block right there, sealing the edge. And then Ken Walker, man, why'd you have to do this? You dub faithful Byron Murphy. Coming down from his position in the secondary. He's got one-on-one. He's, they're going to meet up. And almost, honestly, this is what DBs and receivers do, mainly DBs in, like, individual period. Angle tackle drill, right? Right. This is legitimate angle tackle, but when you're going against Ken Walker and you don't have the cone on the sideline to save you, this is what <laughs> it looks like because he did that hop, skip, and a jump. And, and Byron didn't know what was going on. He he looks like he's closing the gap, and then he kind of gets frozen a little bit, and the, the stiff arm, he doesn't know what happens. And you look at it, and you go, man, my man was in great position. I don't think he touches him up. I don't think he, uh-huh. I don't think he lays one hand on him after all that. So 
Ken Walker, you're about to be something special, dude, and we're going to love watching you play, you know, getting your feet wet. And I, what I loved about it, too, is, Bump, he had 21 carries, dog. Yeah, handled it. Handled and, it. And it's one of those things where we're not we're not worried about his, his, his carry count and stuff like that. So it's a big, you know, sign, I think, from the coaching staff of Shane Waldron and Pete Carroll. They're like, yo, it's your time now. This is why we're drafting you second round. We're going to ride you to the end. So love to see that from young boy Ken. But you know what we do, Bump? Every week when we get this W, let's get in that formation, baby. Here comes the Seahawks offense onto the field and the Vikings defense trudging out there, knowing that one kneel down and the Seahawks are going to wind the clock down and win this one. It's the victory formation on Hawk Talk. Greatest victory known, no, excuse me, greatest formation known to man is the victory formation, and this is how they did it. The defense did show up in a big way, man. 11 drives only gave up three points. Extremely extremely impressive. Like, this defense gave up, like, 30-something, 40-something, 20-something, and now they hold them to three against an explosive offense. It's not like Kyler Murray can't just put a 14 to 21 on his own. Like, he didn't do that. They held him down, and uh, he was sacked six times from six different guys, started with the defense. Defense balled out. Love to see what they did. Most impressive uh, performance this season dating back to Denver game. So love it. See it there and staying on defense, man. These rookies, man. Tariq Woolen, fourth consecutive interception. Kobe Bryant, another forced fumble. They're playing with such confidence over there right now. And the sky's the limit, honestly. Because right now, these guys are carrying us right now from a, from a rookie standpoint to have Abe Lucas, Ken Walker, Charles Cross, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, Boye Mafe started and played well. So these rookies, this rookie class, it's early on. You know, this 2012 class would argue is the best rookie class in the history of the Seattle Seahawks, given the men that were drafted there and the Hall of Famers that are come from there. But as of right now, this is the best rookie class I've seen because they're all making an impact at key positions right now. So love to see what we saw from them. Yep, Tariq, Kobe, Ken Walker, two uh, rookie tackles over there. It looks good, man. And most importantly, they get that game. You're still in the division race. Like <laughs> this NFC West, two years ago, man, if you were 3-3, three three, you'd be out this thing pretty early. Yeah. But right now, because of the craziness that's going on, man, they are still in the fight, man. And they show that they can win a game without dominating on offense. And in this league, you're going to have to win in multiple ways. So good for the defense again. Huge, huge on the defense. I'm hoping, like Ray said when we talked to him earlier, this is a confidence builder. It's going to be a tough one against the Chargers. You mentioned all the playmakers they got. Herbert, Keenan Allen, potentially Williams, Eckler. They got a good defense. Khalil Mack, defensive-minded coach, and Joe Staley. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what we have there. But we'll break that all down for you on Wednesday. Reminder, you can listen to us anywhere. Lots of great content on the Seahawks Podcast Network, Seahawks.com, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Sirius XM, and more. My name is Nasa Chobi. He's Michael Bumpus. We'll be back with you on Wednesday to break down the Chargers. Seahawks beat the Cardinals in 19-9.